another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake after and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. This show, of course, being brought to you by Bet Online, AG1, or Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in this show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolfenstein, I thought, I thought for a change that I wasn't going to have to call the cardiologist. <laughs> for the weekly Charger game. However, as things tend to happen during Charger games, I had to make the call. (laughs) I had to make the call. But thankfully, just like it was in the nail-biter against Minnesota last week, the Chargers are able to finish and close out a divisional rival game beating the Las Vegas Raiders 24-17. Again, in a thrilling action, lots of storylines into this one that Dan and I are going to get into. Obviously, a victory Monday. It's good to celebrate those two consecutive weeks now. Um, now the Chargers go into a much-needed buy that they will be hopefully getting back plenty of players that did not play this past Sunday as they gear up for one of the toughest parts of their schedule. So, But as it relates to Victory Monday, let's centralize it there. Dan Wolkenstein, let's kick it off. Obviously, first and foremost, sir, how are you feeling? I know you are elated. You have a bunch of things that you want to say today. Ooh. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm feeling great. It is a Victory and Monday, VFM for short. Happy VFM to all Chargers fans worldwide. What a game by the Chargers defense. Again, far from perfect but a huge step in the right direction. So many storylines. We got Justin Herbert in a splint. We got Jerry Tillery causing a brawl. We've got Justin Herbert using his legs. Darius Davis going crazy at the beginning of the game. Khalil Mack with six sacks. Are you kidding me? Seven sacks as a team. Three forced fumbles. Josh Jacobs held under wraps, at least on the ground. Devontae Adams injured for a bit, but also held under wraps. Chargers offense wasn't really able to do much in the second half, but they were able to hold on for the victory on that last bomb by Justin Herbert to Josh Palmer. Escaped with a win. We spoke it into existence, Jake. If they could just get to two and two, head into the bye, this whole story, the whole movie looks different. And dang, victory Monday. Chargers beat the Raiders. 24-17. How we feeling, Jake? I'm feeling wonderful. I've got lots of things to say. I might be a little annoying. I might be a little over-optimistic today, but I'm going to try to keep it real. <laughs> but damn, damn, does it feel good to sit here at 2-2 two and two for this Chargers team. It does. Uh, I think the message on Chargers Twitter... Um, along with you, Dan, has been by any means necessary <laughs> in terms of this. I think Sean Merriman said it best in the post game when they had him on CBS yesterday. Sometimes you win ugly, and this happens with the very best of teams. Case in point, look at Patrick Mahomes in the Jets game last night. He didn't have one of his best performances at all. Actually got outplayed statistically by Zach Wilson last night. But sometimes you win ugly. And in a game where Justin Herbert completed, what, 13 of his passes for 167 yards, had to do a lot of the miraculous plays with his legs. It was the defense yesterday that really won that game for the Chargers. When's the last time you've said that, Jake? I don't even know if I said it last year, Dan. I was really trying to think of a game where I said it last year. 
You could maybe say the Miami game because of the way that that game was uh, developed last year when the Chargers the got their victory. Sure. The Colts game for sure. Colts game, yeah. But saying that sentence, that's one I would like to use a few more times in the future. That's for sure. Um, but Dan, you said it best. It escaped because by no means was this game flawless. At halftime, it looked like they could have blown it wide open. Of course, in true Chargers faction, it wouldn't be an entertaining Sunday <laughs> if they didn't make it close. Um, so plenty of things that we need to get into in terms of what looked good, what obviously they need to spend the bye week working on. Um, but overall, just the getting out of there with a victory against an opponent that always plays them tough, regardless of what their actual record is. They always play the Chargers tough. They get to two and two, get a much needed buy, regardless of it's this way, this early in the season. Um, you know, you come out feeling optimistic about it. Still got a W, still got things to work on. Hopefully you can shore a few of those things up moving forward. Yeah, I there are some big picture themes that came from, from this game that either continued or were created or stemmed. We went into this week, Jake, talking about can Brandon Staley not silence the noise, but can he temper? Can he lower the volume a little bit? The volume is lowered. I, there's no question the volume is lowered. Like that win was massive. And probably while it's massive for the team, I think it's most massive for Brandon Staley, given what's at stake, given what's at stake for him personally. And you can say that for a lot of guys with it being kind of the last year of this on this team, possibly a lot of unknowns. But the thing about this Chargers team, and I said it, I think it was after week one where I said, if I'm Brandon Staley and you got all this flack coming at you and all this noise, which I think is pretty clear, he does not care what other people think. And he does not care what critics say. If you're going to possibly go down, go down your way. Now, you don't, don't think that way. But like, if I'm going to go, if I, if I need to go out there, I want to do it on my terms. I want to do it my way. And the thing that many loved Brandon Staley for his rookie season as a head coach was that aggressiveness, that ID gaff, foot on the pedal the entire time. To hell with what you guys think. This is what we're going to do. I trust my guys on both sides, which we'll get into. Let's go win this thing. And let the chips fall where they may. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it might look a little risky. But it's a mindset that after four games this season, I think has held true. And the defense has looked better. It has progressively gotten better every week. Brandon Staley even said so at the press conference yesterday. The Chargers offense, aside from Justin Herbert getting his finger torn off, essentially, uh, looked pretty good. That obviously hampered their second half performance last week. But what... I took away as the big picture, Jake, was I don't know if you had a chance to listen to all of the player reactions and post-game kind of either press conferences or like in the locker room, but the amount of times that you heard players specifically talk about things like belief and aggressiveness and brotherhood and uh, 
cohesion and agreeing with the fourth and Staley stuff and trusting the coaches. That was a theme from a lot of guys. This wasn't just like one guy. You heard it across the board. And say what you will. People want to give flack to Brandon Staley or the defense or Telesco or whatever. This team is connected and they are damn close to one another. No more evident than when Jerry Tillery took the cheap shot on Justin Herbert and the entire team went to back up their guy. And if you notice, Jake, Brandon Staley understood the moment. And he could have gone in there, tried to break everything up and try to play Switzerland. No, he stood back and just watched. And I guarantee you that was like a proud moment for him of like, this is our squad. We got each other's back. That was my main takeaway from this was like, the team's got each other's back and they're all bought into this one way or another, regardless of how it turns out, they are taking on the personality of the head coach. Do not care what other people think go out the way they want. And they did. And they got the win. I think it's a combination of that, Dan. And I think especially from an offensive standpoint, Trent Green was talking about this on the broadcast yesterday when he was saying, what's the biggest difference going from what this offense was last year and to what you're doing this year and to which his response was, we're utilizing the entirety of the field. So, and you've seen this through the first four weeks of the of the year where it was always the comments of last year, take the handcuffs off Justin Herbert, come up with a more creative looking offense. This offense has had a different goal or a different game plan in mind throughout the first four weeks in terms of how they are going to attack the opposing defenses. Now, obviously, they have not come out on the winning side of that every time. But from an offensive standpoint, the numbers dramatically have improved from what you saw from them last year. And it's just, it's the it's the creativity. It's Kellen Moore in his bag. This is coupled, obviously, with the message. There has been, obviously, the most trust put in Justin Herbert this season, and that is evident from what we've seen over the first four weeks of this year. And to have that coupled with, as you mentioned, the the cheap shot from Jerry Tillery, the entire t- team coming to hit to their quarterback's aid, which I think it was Keenan Allen that said it in his post-game uh, comments yesterday when he said, you you know you're bad when your own team has to come get you out of there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, you're really bad happened. when your own team won't come get you out of there. Oh, that's, that's, that's what it was. Thank you. That's what it was. Uh, and then on top of that, just after he gets the gruesome finger injury, getting his finger caught, uh, we found out earlier this morning that Justin Herbert suffered a fractured finger and apparently a gruesome uh, fingernail injury when he got his finger caught in Max Crosby's helmet when he was going down after his interception. But to come back out there with his splint for one series, then the next series it changes with his glove, and then again to, for him to make the Monty Python reference in his post-game presser just saying, "'Tis but a scratch, just a flesh wound." It's just brilliant, and um, it just shows you the physical toughness and mental toughness I thought was encapsulated in so many different ways with this team. Um, so you'd hope that this is a moment and an example right now that can galvanize and rally this team for games to come. Yes. Let's get into some of the specifics here. Uh, we saw Corey Lindsley went down with like the, the scary health stuff and he's not dealing with 
with that on the side and you hope that he and the family able to kind of get through that and like take football out of that for a second. You just hope that he can get back to healthy with the family. Like that's what's most important. Will Clapp was a concern for many in this game. And Jake, come to find out, Will Clapp was the highest scoring offensive lineman for this Chargers team in week four. <laughs> he did pretty good. He did pretty good. We talked about kind of the guys that you could not let beat you in this game for the Chargers defense, the guys they could not let beat them. Josh Jacobs on the ground and Devontae Adams through the air. Ready for this, Chargers fans? <laughs> Josh Jacobs. And that's hell. I'll just give the entire running game for the Raiders. 23 carries, just 76 yards, 3.3 yards per carry. This you is would take without that 100% of the time. This is without Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Alohi Gilman, JT Woods. Not bad. Chargers defense against Devontae Adams. Now, again, Devontae Adams got hurt. We'll see what happens with the shoulder. I don't know. But still, 13 targets. Eight receptions, 75 yards, no touchdowns. Again, 100% of you would have taken that leading into the game. Now, Josh Jacobs did get his through the air. Eight receptions for 81 yards. Like, Fine. But Jake, you and I talked about it leading into the game. Force whoever the quarterback was, which we'll get to that in a second, force them to have to go down and meticulously drive down the field and bank on the mistake. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. You'll give Josh Jacobs 81 yards on eight on eight receptions. Sure. If that's your leading receiver for the Raiders, like, yes, 100%. So Chargers defense did their job. Again, seven sacks by this Chargers defense, six of which by the king himself. Jake, have you seen, have you ever seen six sacks by one player? Personally. I, I personally know. And, uh, and I was even trying to figure out the last time it was done. And then I had forgotten that when they said it on the broadcast, it was um, who was the guy who played for Tampa Bay that just had it just a few years ago, Aiden. I can't remember his last name. Forgive me for that. But then they mentioned Derek Thomas, who who had it for, for Buffalo many years ago when he had one of those type of games. Uh, that was just a stellar performance instead of franchise record. And yeah, this is off the heels of what Keenan Allen did last week in Minnesota. So you have franchise leading records in that game offensively. And then you couple it up with Khalil Mack, who again, without Joey Bosa in this game, uh, Khalil Mack, as much as Max Crosby gets up for charger Raiders games, Khalil Mack obviously has shown it that he does the same. Dan, the chargers had, you mentioned that, you know, seven total sacks, it was six of them were Khalil Mack's 18 total pressures. Nine of them belong to Khalil Mack, in this game, which is just wild, wild. I mean, you talk about a, one-man wrecking crew on on both sides of that offensive line forced Aiden O'Connell into two strip sacks in which the Chargers ended up recovering. Actually, it was almost three. Mm-hmm. I've, I had almost forgotten that. It was almost three, but the Raiders were able to recover that third one. So that does account for definitely the lack of production from Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams as well. So in terms of what the defensive line was able to do um, against a rookie quarterback, you got to take your hat off to Khalil Mack because... He was the leader of that charge as it relates to the Chargers defense. 
I love that pun, by the way. But let's, let's take, let's, <laughs> didn't even, let's didn't even intend it and didn't even notice it until you said it. <laughs> Let, let's take with the defense, uh, and then we'll flip to the offense. Jake, we talked about Khalil Mack, obviously. Asante Samuel Jr., again, balled out. Mike Davis needs work. We'll talk about the negatives in a bit. Mike Davis needs some help here. Kenneth Murray, game number three in a row, green dot, performed well. Top five player on the defense per PFF grades. Thule, again, Jake, you talked about, like, just put an edge rusher with Khalil Mack or with Joey Bosa and watch him go to work. It's working. The one first sack that Khalil Mack stack- had was the exact formation where it's Thule on the inside and Khalil on the outside. And Thule just wrecked shot, working. man. <laughs> like, he reminded me, like, I don't know. This is this is where my brain goes, but he reminded me of like somebody just picking up a person and just throwing them sideways into an offensive lineman or two. That's what Tulu looked like. He's like to hell with it. He's just gonna like go sideways and go ahead, Khalil, go around me. We'll make this thing happen. Um, Dean Marlowe. Shout out to Dean Marlowe and Raheem Lane. They held it down. I think Dean Marlowe is going to be here for a bit. We talked about it earlier in the season. He's not a guy that's going to come in and win you, you know, eight games. But in a pinch, when you need to have someone to kind of, in case of emergency, break glass, Dean Marlowe has the experience, is a veteran, understands the system inside and out, showed up. Overall, the defense, like, you talk about perspective, Jake. Like, look at the, looking at the defense just by the numbers, you'll take this. You'll go, you'll give up 188 yards passing in the entire game. I don't care who the quarterback is. You'll give up just 76 yards rushing. You'll take three turnovers and seven sacks. Two for five in the red zone, your defense held them to. One for 11 on third down was this Raiders team. Now Zero, pa- zero passing touchdowns as well. They were three for three on fourth down, which is a problem. Yes. <laughs> but one for 11 on third down. That's damn good for defense. Now, they were not perfect. I'm not saying they were perfect. And you, Jake, you alluded to it. Third down penalties again. Fourth down conversions again. Silly mistakes again. For the most part, they kept the explosive plays to a minimum. So I thought actually they did pretty good there. But the third down penalties and some of the coverage stuff, I don't know what's wrong with Michael Davis, Jake, but like, I think he was, he and Jazir Taylor both had terrible games. Both of them were not good. And if I'm Tom Telesco, what's up, Bryce Callahan? Like, come on back. I don't, I don't know if it'll happen, but I'm doing it 10 out of 10 times. Dan, one corner you, you didn't mention there. J.C. Jackson, who we were told early in the week, especially when it looked doubtful for J.T. Woods, for Derwin James, and then obviously at the last minute before the game starts, Alohi Gilman is inactive for this game. We were told that J.C. Jackson was going to be active after not being active for Minnesota. (laughs) We find out it's just a technicality. J.C. Jackson was active. However, he did not log a single defensive snap. It's another storyline kind of in the, in the 
underlying weeds of what is taking place with this team right now. It's 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 becoming bizarre. So I'm not sure what is going to take place during this bye week. I hope some things get straightened out because it's weird. You you definitely need as much secondary help as you can get, and you hope for JC Jackson in terms of he alluded to it last week that he was not a, he is still not a hundred percent from his knee injury. Uh, you hope that everything from you know physically and mentally is okay with him as he's trying to get back on track. Obviously, it's been a long time um, recovering from that injury for him. So you're not just going to hit the ground running, especially for a defensive back, which is so hard to play in in the NFL. And I'm not trying to make excuses here, but you're just hoping that from a there has been a a, a disconnect between player coach scheme, and you just hope at some point collectively that you can get it right. And this goes for a lot of the players in the secondary. Tan, even though the you talked you mentioned the explosive plays that you limited them, the Chargers were lucky that one didn't happen before halftime that was actually negated because of a penalty. The fact that, that yeah. the fact that 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 pass was still <laughs> caught by a wide receiver in a jump ball fashion that could have put points on the board for the Raiders just before halftime. Like it it still irks you a little bit. To, to think in that type of situation, you're already in your head saying like, okay, we're not going to allow anything deep. And then that comes. And luckily for you, a penalty was thrown that negated that long, uh, that long pass. So you, you just have to work these kinks out week by week. And as Dan said, slowly in little areas, this defense has been improving. You're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to flip a switch and just all of a sudden become this dominant defense that is going to blow people out forty-two to nothing every week. That's just not. In the, that's not the reality for the Chargers. It never has been. It's not in the cards for them. You just hope from progressively throughout this season that you're going to be able to improve here and there, and especially when it comes to going up against the juggernauts of this league, that you're going to be able to turn in a somewhat de- decent performance. Yeah, to wrap it up on the on the defensive side, Jake, here are all of the drives for this defense that they forced Raiders for. Raiders' first possession, three plays, negative four yards, punt. Second possession, touchdown. They gave up a touchdown, 7-7. Seven, seven. Three plays, negative one yard, fumble. Four plays, 10 yards by this Raiders offense, fumble. Three plays, negative two yards, punt. Three plays, nine yards, punt. Three plays, zero yards, punt. This is all in succession, by the way. 13 plays, 48 yards, field goal. Next possession, punt. Next possession, give a touchdown. Next possession, interception, game over. That's your Chargers defensive performance. You will take that every game for the rest of the season. No questions asked. So, Jake. Flipping it on offense. Justin Herbert was Justin Herbert in the first half, for sure. I think that first half was pretty good. I wish they would have gone up. They should have gone up 31-7. It should have been 31-7 at the end of the half. They just couldn't do it. Two rushing touchdowns by Justin Herbert. I love the juke move he put on Max Crosby <laughs> later on. That same possession that he ended up getting truck sticked. And he, I love how he just kind of like gave up or got up and flipped the ball real quick. Was like, eh, whatever. But that movie put on Max Crosby was ridiculous. There were a couple of highlight throws, and not even throws, a couple of highlights to just get to the position to throw 
where he's doing like spins and pirouettes and getting out of pressure. And you kind of mentioned that the offensive line wasn't great. They weren't great. They missed Mike Williams in that game. They missed Austin Eckler in that game. A couple drops, 50-50 ball drop by Quentin Johnston. Josh Palmer dropped one too. But overall, like 24 points on offense in the first half. Like that's great. You'll take that. Zero points in the last 33 minutes. That gave me Jacksonville vibes all the time. The entire second half. And I texted you, Jake. I said, all they need. This is at the beginning of the second half. One touchdown. And they win this game. And that touchdown. I couldn't even give you that. That touchdown never came. And that was exactly like what happened. They couldn't even get a field goal. That was exactly like what happened at Jacksonville last year. Now, you can dismiss it a bit because you understand like Justin Herbert's hand was hurt. Wasn't hurt the whole second half, by the way. But you can't do that. You just can't do that. And I will rock with Rashawn Slater every game. And I will be happy with him going up against any defensive end. Micah Parsons included. Don't care. I'll rock with him. Wasn't a great game from him. Wasn't a great game by Trey Pipkins. Wasn't a great game by Zion Johnson either. Three-fifths of your starting offensive line did not play well. Will Clapp <laughs> and Jamari Sawyer were your two best offensive linemen in terms of pass blocking. Josh Kelly, Darius Davis, Jake. We finally got to see Darius Davis getting utilized. So what were your kind of main themes or takeaways from the offense in particular? Yeah, the uh, like you mentioned, Chargers definitely missing Mike Williams. I actually thought for what Josh McDaniels had ready for this defense in terms of their plan, they were going to take advantage of the fact that Corey Lindsley was not in on this game. And regardless if Will Clapp was the highest graded offensive lineman, in terms of calling out protections, which has always been Corey Lindsley's responsibility, that that presence was lost. I Dan, I, I don't know if I can remember though it, that it, that Rashawn Slater, since he's been in the NFL, has given up four pressures in a single game. I don't even think that that's ever happened. No. Max Crosby was an absolute beast on both sides of the ball. You would think that because the right side, you mean? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you would think that because of Rashawn Slater and how good he normally is, that he would have just stayed to Trey Pipkin's side. No, he was moving back and forth very often on third downs, predominantly coming from Trey Pipkin's side. But he was a menace from both tackle positions that he was coming after Justin Herbert, which, of course, again, eventually trickled into the interior pressure. Justin Herbert had to play Superman with his legs, not so much through the air. That first drive that they scored that he ended up running into for a touchdown, Herbert seemed off. He was he was not able to complete his passes, and thankfully for the 51-yard uh, second play of the game run by Darius Davis, which was able to put them in a good position for that drive, Herbert ultimately put it in with his legs. Um, but offensive line, Dan, I mean, you're going to have to shore some of this up because you've got Dallas two weeks away who has one of the better defensive fronts in the league that you're going to have to clean a lot of that work up on. Um and Dan, from the running game, I know from a standpoint, it's like, okay, the Chargers had over 100 yards rushing. But as the game wore on, the Raiders were just taking the run game away. The Chargers were not able to do anything in terms of opening up holes. There were times when Joshua Kelly was getting the ball, and he, he was running it the total opposite way 
that it looked like he should have been running it, where it's like everything was going this way and he was right there and he should have been running the other direction. And it just, he was going where everybody else was going. And you just, again, it's another facet that you take out of this offense because in the second half, they, the run game could not generate anything. Um, so it was a very up and down type of game. Justin Herbert, obviously, from what he was able to do, number one, stiff arming a former Charger and Isaac Rochelle when he had to try to run to get a first down. Shout out. The, the third and one play where it looked like Justin Herbert was wrapped up and then literally had to Houdini himself out of a sack to then throw an 18-yard pass to Quentin Johnston. Again, one of the few targets, by the way. Great catch, by the way. Hey, one of the few targets that he has had seen during that game, and thankfully that ended up being a key third down conversion. And then obviously the one that you mentioned, Justin Herbert chuking Matt Crosby before getting hit laid out of bounds but, uh, by Jerry Tillery. This had to be a total leg game for Herbert. Herbert almost ended up converting the... Uh, the, the third down. I thought he converted. I mean, I, was, I, I thought he did initially too before we saw the replay and yeah. his knee was down that ultimately led to the fail fourth and one call. But even that scramble, again, this is now with his broken finger that he's scrambling and trying to win the game right there. And I actually thought he did it and I thought that he iced it at that point. But outside of that, Justin Herbert was 13 to 24 for 167, still ended up having three touchdowns, two on the ground, one to Keenan Allen. Uh, you just would have hoped, as you mentioned, Dan, when the Chargers were up 24 to 7, you 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 have to put those games away. And you can't have those situations to where you're letting these teams back in. Thankfully for the defense, they came to play. Thankfully for Justin Herbert on a third and ten was able to ice the game, a situation that essentially the Chargers had been put in the first three weeks of the season. And finally, Justin, Justin Herbert was able to get one of these opportunities to do so. But there's a lot to clean up offensively, Dan. Again, I liked Kellen Moore's game plan early on because we said Mike Williams was not going to be replaced by one guy. And sure enough, that was not the case. I liked the infusion of Darius Davis coming out of the backfield. That looked really nice. I think there was a lot of trust that Justin Herbert was having to put into Joshua Palmer, to Quentin Johnston, to Gerald Everett, because the effect of Mike Williams there obviously didn't do much for Keenan Allen because he didn't see a lot of action outside of his touchdown either. There was a lot of attention being paid off to him. The Raiders are basically saying, you are not going to have a 200-yard game against us, sir. Absolutely not. So they were doing everything that they could to take him out of that game. Um, so you would hope for, this is what gives me faith from Kellen Moore because even in a win, and when you know that your offense did not play up to its standard, especially in the second half, you take that during the bye, you know that there is a lot that you can work on and hopefully you can build out of that, come out better, and be able to put these type of games away. Again, the Chargers are never going to blow anybody out 41 to nothing, especially when they have Dallas and Kansas City that is not too far away. You know that those games are going to be shootouts. But you have to come to a you have to come to a realization of what it is that you need to do. And outside of it being a shootout situation to where it's just like, look, figure out a way to put points on the board consistently. And when you have a situation like you did yesterday against a rookie quarterback in his first start, you got to put that away handily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the start strong and finish thing. Like I'll look at the the micro and then the macro. Like micro the chargers started strong and finished if you want to talk about like micro like the literal last play 
that the Chargers needed to have on a third and what was it? Third and seven. They get that ball to Josh Palmer. It's a third and 10. Nobody saw that coming. Even Trent, even Trent Green on the broadcast, it goes like, okay. I think they're going to hand off here. Instead, oh. they're going to pass it. <laughs> He's like, he even has a little giggle. Like I mean, it was, a, it was a dot. It was a dot, and that was nails. Justin Herbert went out there with one hand, made it happen. Like, you give him credit. You give him, it's just, that's Justin Herbert being that dude. And we'll get to the fourth and one here in a second. But Macro... They started strong. The Chargers offense was humming. Like these are these are the possessions by the Chargers offense starting off first half. First possession, touchdown. Second possession, punt. Third possession, field goal. Next possession, touchdown. Next possession, touchdown. And then they ended up punting and then the end of the half. That was the first half. Second half. Punt. Three plays punt. Seven plays interception. Three plays punt. Four plays downs, six plays, one of which was that bomb end of game. Like, they didn't do anything in the second half, which leads us to that fourth and one, which we'll get to here in 10 seconds. But they started strong, Jake, but you have to finish. And when you're up 24 to seven and you have the ball going into the half, you go four plays, nine yards, turn it over. Can't do that. You just you just can't do that. So sorry, three sorry, three plays, six yards is what they did. Um fourth and one, Jake. Again, honestly, this was identical to me to last week's in terms of I thought it was the right call. I, I didn't did I thought it was the right call. I didn't mind anything about it. Even the fact I saw Tush Bush, I was so pumped. I, I don't know why everybody is getting on Brandon Staley for you know a quarterback sneak. Okay. You know why? First of all, look at the run game in the second half. Was the running game doing anything for you in the second half? No, it wasn't. And obviously, you're not going to do the exact same thing that you did last week when you chose to hand it off to your running back. In that situation, you should be good enough collectively, 11 guys, to gain a yard. And Justin gets over 90% of his fourth down conversions, fourth and ones. So. Numbers in so, favor. So I, I I get it. Everybody is saying is like, oh, because of the busted finger and you're choosing to put him under center and possibly injury. No, look, that was the right call in that situation. And no, I'm not trying to be on here to defend Brandon Staley in that type of situation. Careful. Where the, where the Chargers <laughs> where the Chargers are trying to win the game in that particular situation, given how the second half had gone for them. I thought I thought it was the right call. Quarterback sneak. You you tried the the what is it the 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 brotherly Bush, Bush. Brother, yeah the brother <laughs> was it that brotherly shove brotherly shove. brotherly shove. Thank you. Which Philadelphia could do just fine. Doesn't mean that it works out for every team. But I liked the call in that circumstance. I I, I thought it was the right call going for it on fourth and one. I don't think anybody wanted to see a possibility based off of what they've seen this defense give up. If like eventually. You know, you go bend, bend, bend for so long, eventually something's going to break. And the way that the uh, Las Vegas offense was gradually gaining momentum down the field, you didn't want to give it up to them. So that was an opportunity for you to put the game away right there. And thankfully, even though it didn't work out, Asante Samuel Jr. was able to come up with the interception that ultimately gave the ball back to the offense, which gave Justin Herbert one more opportunity to ice the game, which he did. 
But no, Dan, I didn't have a problem with it. And it's funny. Nobody's, nobody's fourth downs misses get televised or talked about more than Brandon Staley. But the interesting thing about it is, and this was a stat that I was talking to Dan about uh, after the game, is that even with two very publicized failed fourth and ones over the last two weeks, the Chargers are 2-0 in those games. And in the games where Brandon Staley has been more conservative, they're 0-2. So what does that tell you? I know it sounds like an episode out of the Twilight Zone where everything is backwards, but hey, it's riding that line between aggressiveness and reckless. And I was okay with the decisions to, to go for it on the fourth down plays both weeks. Wasn't happy with the call last week. Was definitely okay with the play call this week. You just didn't come out on the end of it. But look, you won the game. So find something else to whine about at this point. One, they were, <laughs> Both games, 2-0. They went one for two on fourth downs. 50% conversion rate. You got touchdowns in two of them. Turn over the other ones. Like, that's, that's football. I think Brandon Taylor said, like, you got to get the damn yard, man. You have to get the yard. You have to get the yard. And hopefully like, the Chargers are going to be in a position where they're going to have, you know that the Chargers are going to be in the position of these <laughs> in weeks to come. You just have to learn to come out on the winning side of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and look, like, you know, people want to play revisionist history, right? What, what play call are you picking instead of that? Are you going to do a handoff like you saw last week? They even said that it was difficult for Justin Herbert to hand off because it's his non-throwing hand. So sure. even that was going to be difficult for him to even grip the ball. So that's out the window. But look at look at just pure percentages. The highest percentage likelihood of that fourth down being converted is exactly what they did. Correct. Even Daniel Popper said it for the Aiden O'Connell quarterback sneak that the Raiders used earlier that he sent out a tweet. Oh, quarterback sneak concept. That's 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 an idea. Chargers ultimately did that late in the game. It doesn't break the same for everybody in the league, unfortunately. Thankfully for the Chargers, after it didn't work out, they were able to find a way to overcome that and still get the win. And I like like the process, though. Like, the execution, the result didn't happen that one play. But, Jake, we were all talking about after that last game. Can we please see the Chargers implement a tush-push or do some kind of quarterback sneak? Like, why aren't they doing this? One week, Kellen Moore is like, all right, let's do it. And if they like, get that, nobody's talking. Nobody's about talking. It. Nobody's talking about it. So you know it. I know it. And unfortunately, there are some in the fan base, and there are some nationally, locally, who will find any reason to blame, bash, discredit, dismiss, ignore anything that Brandon Staley and or his defense does. Period. And anything that goes well will not be because of Brandon Staley. Like, that's just, and I've accepted that. Like, I, I don't care anymore. I've accepted it. But it's just weird to me, like, how people will find anything that is even remote, like, it's not even close to being his problem, gets put on his shoulders. But look, that's for their day. Well, as a head coach of a football team, you're never going to be able to dodge those. <laughs> That's, every exactly. everything is going to fall on any coach's shoulder. It comes with territory, it and it's a very thankless job. Which is your point. I completely agree. Big picture, big picture. I think a couple things here. Look at a couple numbers. Points per game through four weeks. This Chargers defense is giving up twenty six points per game. Still not great, but better than it was. Chargers offense twenty seven and a half points per game. 
And unfortunately, like that number should be up near 30 if it wasn't for this past week. But offense, 27 and a half, defense, 26. I think the more impressive number, the Chargers run defense is allowing 104 yards rushing per game this season. Now, first glance, you think, wow, that's a lot. Over 100 yards is crazy. Last year, this Chargers defense gave up over 146 yards per game. They are 42 yards per game better through four games. That's a 29% improvement. If the Chargers, I tweeted this, if the Chargers can just simply eliminate the boneheaded third down penalties that gives the offensive more, offense more possessions and eliminate the explosive plays, eliminate those busted coverage ones to Traylon Burks, eliminate the ones to Osborne, to Jefferson. Like if they could eliminate those to Tyreek Hill, just limit to what? I saw what? I saw what? This movie will look very different. And the Chargers defense is a lot closer than people think. Or they give them credit for. Kenneth Murray is looking better. Like, I know people want to dog on the defense. And, like, the numbers, especially passing numbers, have not been great. But I think the important component here is it's a long season, one. And two, things are trending in the right direction. Like, this team is improving week over week. And you cannot dispute that. You just can't. You can nitpick a few things that are either the same or whatever, but like overall, big picture, this team has improved week over week over week. And that's all you want to see. You want to see your team improve as the season goes on and be at its best towards the end of the season. Through four weeks, this team is two and two. And oh, by the way, just one game behind for the best AFC record <laughs> in football. Best one, three and one, charges two and two. The whole season ahead of them. And this two and two with the victory on this past Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders was so critical. I couldn't, I could not even imagine what these next two weeks would have been like if they lost this game. Like I, I legitimately like could not fathom the Chargers losing because I just could not bear what these two weeks would have been like. Like your your pessimistic side of you, Jake, would have just been on a heater. Like you would have just through the roof, red steam, things thrown, bourbon drink. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, it would have been a, it would have been the worst way to go into a buy at a potential one and three, and then to have to come back in the next two weeks after that, staring Dallas and Kansas City in the face with the potential to go one and five if that scenario. I mean, that's scary. So now you get a win. You finish the first quarter of the season off two and two. Should you be three and one at the very least? Yes, yes, you should. I get, I get all that. But the Chargers needed to get back on track after an 0-2 start, and they did that. You have to take the wins where you can get them. So regardless of what the Minnesota game looked like, regardless what this game looked like, I know that you know Justin Herbert was in his bag against Minnesota and had a fantastic performance. This week was a little bit different. But the defense was able to step up, carry, get a couple of turnovers, give the offense more opportunities. These type of things happen in the NFL. It's never going to be the same. Hell, look at Miami, who blew out Denver two, a week ago. 
by 50. And then Buffalo comes back and holds them to 20 points. And they, and they start the, a route themselves <laughs> almost in that particular type of game. This is the parody of the NFL. This is the weird things that take place in the NFL. So you're never, you would love to see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. That's just not how it works. But that's why you have an offense and a defense. When one isn't working, the other one has to step up to give other ones opportunities. You saw that in Kansas City last night with Patrick Mahomes not having one of his better games. These type of things happen. So the Chargers did what they had to do, as Dan has said, and a lot of people on Twitter have taken up the rhetoric by any means necessary to get the two and two. Now you go into the bye on a two-game win streak. You're going to get a lot of players back, thankfully, after this week off. Get a lot of guys healthy. And you could take a lot of the mistakes because they were in no way... I'm actually happy that, in a way, the Chargers are going into it like this. Because there's a lot that you need to work on with different personnel, with different play calling, with obviously second half scoring. When you have the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs looming, you know that those games are going to be tough to get W's in. So you get you take this week, you get some guys healthy, give you some extra time to prepare, and hopefully the Chargers can come back on the winning side of things. It is so much easier to get better after a win. It's so much easier for the fans, for the players, mentally, physically. Like you, you will take lessons learned in a victory all the time. At the end of the day, it's results that matter. And at the end of the day, while this isn't the start that the Chargers team wanted, the first two weeks they leveled the course. They're two and two going into the bye, and you mentioned it. Alohi Gilman will be returning. Derwin James will be returning. Joey Bosa will be returning. Austin Eckler will be returning. Could we see Jalen Guyton return? JD Woods could be returning. After that, hopefully, Corey Lindsley comes back. Otito Agbonia. Like, they've got reinforcements coming. One could argue, like, why can't this Chargers team play like this? Chargers defense play like this when all the guys are there? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a different story. But lots of guys are coming. Um, anything else? Jake, this is a huge win. Statement win. Season-defining moment early on, at least, for the Chargers team. Anything else you wanted to cover other than the fact that I kind of... I don't know about you, Jake. I kind of dig, like, the salty Brandon Staley at the press conference. Like, <laughs> I, I love that persona. Like, that's, that's him. That's three weeks in a row that you have seen that come out of him. I love that. And oh, by the way, he was not telling Asante Samuel Jr. to go down. <laughs> no. It was, I saw that. I'm like, what are people talking about? First of all, I was even wondering when the play actually happened. Like, why didn't he go just a little bit further? He, he probably could have gotten another 15 yards out of that interception. Oh, it could have People say they're going to pick six. But then he owned it afterwards in the locker room when he was talking about it. He said it was just a bonehead mistake by him and a learning experience. And he so, said he learned and he said that he thought again, this was just a miscommunication. He had been trained by his coaching staff, you know, at the goal line. If you're at the end of the game and you get interception, essentially go down. Like that was essentially what was instilled so you don't risk other things. In that moment, after the interception, again, Asante Samuel Jr. said this after the game. He looked over, he saw Brandon Staley kind of going crazy, and he misinterpreted what he was doing. 
and thought that he was telling him to go down, but he was not. He was Brandon Staley was excited like all of us. <laughs> go back and watch the tape. There's nothing that shows him saying go down. And honestly, there's some movement where it looks like he's saying keep going. <laughs> but again, learning experience for everybody. Anything else, Jake? I think maybe I love, more than... I love that smirk you just had. You're like, Do I say well, it? well, here's what I was thinking because obviously everybody was, and myself included, even just thinking the worst for the fact that you didn't have three of your starting safeties in this game. And this kind of gave me a little bit of the Miami game from last year, those type of vibes when the Chargers were missing a lot of key components on defense. And everybody thought that the Miami Dolphins were going to throttle the Chargers when they were on their hot streak. For some reason, I don't know why, <laughs> but the defense just decided to get in its bag and wake the hell up when they don't have some of their biggest players on defense contributing, which is which is great cool. to have guys step up for that. But it's just like, okay, now when you get those guys back, let's have a similar type of result. Let's that, play better that is, than that. That is part them. of the frustration of being a Chargers fan. <laughs> That's part of the frustration in this. Or when something is, is working don't shy away from it type of thing. I think the Chargers have gotten a little bit better through the first four games of the season in that, again, not flawless. They've gotten a little bit better. But it's again, these are things that you just hope that you can build upon moving forward. With a win, which is the important part. With a win. I agree. I agree. Exciting times. I've got two weeks now. We can kind of reset. We'll have some things to discuss. We have a giveaway now. Go to the Chargers Twitter, Chargers Unleashed Twitter, LAC underscore Unleashed. Enter to win a fourth and Staley t-shirt by LAFB. Otherwise, Jake, this has been fun. I'm so glad we're sitting here after a victory because this show would have absolutely sucked. I'm happy that I do not have to call my cardiologist this coming Sunday because the Chargers have a bye. It will, it will probably be the less, the least stressful week of this season. It's this oh, Sunday. And I cannot wait to just sit on the couch and watch football and not have to worry about a damn thing. Feels good. Victory Monday. It feels good. Chargers fans, enjoy this one. Like, enjoy, embrace the win. Wins in the NFL are not easy. And the Chargers did so two times in a row. Jake, that's going to do it. For Jake Hafter, Dan Wilkinson, you can find Jake at Jake T. Hefter on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, myself at Dan W. Sports. Guys, gals, thank you so much for tuning in. Go Chargers! Two and two, into the bye, getting healthy. We'll talk to you next on the next Chargers. Uh-